0: G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and a CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if you mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Just as a reminder, the clarity of the recording isn't quite as good as when we do it in the studio, so our apologies there. Over the summer, of course, we were able to continue recording even if we weren't in the studio, but it's good that we got these recordings going. Today, though, I'd like to introduce you to Serena MacDonald, who is doing a Master of Science in Epidemiology under the supervision of Dr. Will King. Welcome to Grad Chat, Serena. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I've said this before, but today's Grad Chat is a little different to what we usually do. Uh, It was really nice that Serena emailed me to ask if we could talk about racism on the show. And as she said, and I do quote i've got to do it right in response to the ongoing and systemic racism in both canada and the united states students within the queens university department of public health sciences expressed interest in improving our understanding of racist policy in epidemiology and public health with this we decided to form the racial considerations and epidemiology race task force where we could meet to develop, share and express our ideas and understanding of the literature on this topic. So what a great topic. And and as Serena said, it's really, really topical right now. And A lot has been going on the last two years. I mean, not to say it's only happened in the last two years. It's been going on for a long time. But I think it's really interesting that you put it under within the context of what you're doing in epidemiology. So before we get into questions, who is in your team? Because as as much as I know you're you're a big part of it, you do have some colleagues with you as
1: well. Yes. yes, (laughs) Let's give them a bit of a shout out. I'm definitely not doing this alone. I'm just the one who has volunteered to do the talking on behalf of the group. So I'm gonna just list a couple names. It's no order of importance. Everybody was super honestly a great group. We organically worked together so well. So Isabel Sharp, Kelly Biggs, Jonas. Schellenberger, Catherine Matsuchika, Nicholas Grubick, Priyanka Gagna, and Zoya Pondwani. And I and Serena McDonald, and together we formed the Racial Considerations and Epidemiology Task Force. Now, are you all in the Master of Science in Epidemiology,
0: or, um, or some of you doctoral students, or some of you in the Master of Public
1: Health? So initially, we were planning on doing a group for the public health kind of stream and then one for the epidemiology. The majority of our members are epidemiology master's students. But then we had two of the public health students really interested in their group, didn't really take off, and they joined us. And then we also have one PhD student. That's Priyanka. Priyanka, yes. (laughs) And fought (laughs) for her because she was, you know, our like expertise kind of person and then I would want to say that she's an expert something she's not confident to say that she would be an expert in but you know she's I'm more educated than the rest of us.
0: Well I know Priyanka because uh, I've done a lot of work with Priyanka and of course with the three minute thesis I've heard a lot about her work as well and that's when she was a master's but of course now she's doing her doctoral mm-hmm. work so it, it sounds like you've got a really good group there and you know why Why did people want to join the group? I mean, clearly, they got an interest in, in what you put forward. Did you put it forward, did, or a group of you sort of
1: started talking about it? So, yeah, I want to say that it originally came from a student in the, the Department of Public Health Sciences, but in the public health stream, Daria Judy Hope. She's a nurse, right. and she has extensive experience working like with humans, with lived experience. She's just kind of like a great human. And she was the one last right. year at the time when we really saw the intersection of two pandemics. We had the slow pandemic and we had the really fast novel vaccine virus pandemic. Right. And we saw them intersect and we saw the, the, the fast one kind of push the slow one out. And everyone in our department was really silent. And I guess not just because were majority a white group and we didn't know what to say. And, you know, systemically we haven't been educated on how to react to things, but also because of the first pandemic and we all had just been sent home and we were like, what is happening? But Daria, of course, still took the time to speak openly about how the department should be doing more and saying something. And that's really what triggered us to say, yeah, we can't really speak for the department, but we can speak for ourselves as epidemiology students. And I don't know that I'm confident talking about racism in epidemiology at this point in time. Right. So myself and Nick Rubik kind of spearheaded it. And then everyone else just honestly, I, when I say it was a really organic experience <laughs> with like no true leadership, like it truly was because everybody was just so curious kind of in their own way right when we all just went off and did our own little gray literature search and everyone came back with their with these contributions that were like and I found and you know what else I found this
0: right so it really created discussion and really good discussion Mm -hmm. which is fantastic so I guess with that one of the things you're trying to do is, is how can you measure race as a variable in epidemiological research? So can you give me a bit of an overview of what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So at the point where we saw these two pandemics intersect, I think we also saw a lot of race based data outcries, or you might have heard that term come up a lot more than before, Right. hearing that Canada doesn't collect race-based data, whereas the States does. And what does that mean? It just means that we weren't collecting, like we didn't know the percentage of Black people versus Indigenous people versus white people. Right. But when we use those identifiers in epidemiology, we also don't really know what that means because in biology broadly, when we talk about different animals, mammals, race is something that maybe genetic or behavioral things that really separate two, two groups within a species, right? But when we're talking about the human, we don't have races biologically, like genetically, they're gone, like we can't actually find things that hold true. You might hear a paper say, whatever genomics research found this, but they can't reproduce it over time. So we, only have race as a social variable at this point and it's not just a single thing right because there's no way to actually measure what the social variable race is it really is a proxy for a really complex grouping of variables tying together and in epidemiology we just say race so it's like what is so well, I guess I guess I'm
0: going to jump in there if that's okay. So, what would you say the definition of race is? Because I've looked up a few definitions, because you know when you talk about social, when 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 I talk about social, I think more of ethnicity as opposed to race. So, what is what is it in your terminology? What does race mean to you?
1: Mm-hmm. So, our group, why well, we ended up like meeting sorry, to give a little bit of background. We That's didn't right. actually intend to create a document with our research. It, it was meant to be more of like us getting together and educating ourselves and each other. Right. But we ended up putting all the, all the information into a module so that we can share it outwardly with the rest of the department and incoming students. And in the module, the way that we've decided to describe race is that it's the accumulation of lifetime exposure to stressors. So this person has all of these variables that we haven't actually taken the time to study. We do not understand how they're interacting. But when we compare this group to this group, we can see certain things by using this accumulation of stressors in their lifetime. Right. The issue comes whenever we start using that definition outside of a social context.
0: Right. Because, yeah, because like I said, because if you look up, um, when I looked up the word just race... Most of it refers to a person's physical characteristics, such as bone structure, skin, hair, or eye color. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought external stresses would have an impact on that, because to me, that's very genetic. Whereas ethnicity, and the definition there was, refers to cultural factors, including nationality, regional culture, ancestry, and language. So that's as your little group. This is your culture. But... Um, Does external stresses have an impact on that potentially? So, because even with your definition, it's kind of like it's crossing over both
1: to to a point. To a point. I would say, and of course, I should say from the get-go that I am not an expert in this. (laughs) It's not not, it's not an easy thing, because even when you look at definitions, they're all slightly different. I'm not even an expert in epidemiology. I'm still a candidate student. Yeah, and... so
0: yeah, still learning, but it's great. I mean, you're asking the right questions. I think that is the main point that you're putting forward here is, are we asking the right questions?
1: Yeah. To help well, determine. There's also another a risk here that I should mention from the get-go, which is called expert drift, which is something we see a lot when it comes to talking about race and racism. Right. And where you have like somebody who's a medical doctor, who's an expert in medical doctoring, and then they start talking about a patient's race, which really doesn't have right. anything to do with medical doctoring. And they, you know, talk about it with such confidence and with the degree and the institution behind them that it, right. you know anyone will believe them. So I don't want to be a white woman standing here with almost an MSC degree saying things that are not true. And people will <laughs> this is through our research, what we have.
0: Yes. So at me. this point in time, this is what you're finding. Yes.
1: So what we're finding is that where race is more of this proxy variable for all of these different things, ethnicity is this really context specific but social construct that has, you know, your culture, your nativity, and your minority or majority status, they're all kind of like intertwined in it, which is really complicated like race, but I would say it seems like we have a better understanding of what ethnicity is comprised of, what the many variabilities are that go into determining an ethnicity. And we're more comfortable using it in a study because ethnicity and race are both used very synonymously for Mm -hmm. other people in other (laughs) research. So you will see that. You'll see these terms interchanged as if they don't have a distinction based on the research like that we've as a group come across, that's the distinction we found.
0: Okay. So, I mean, there's lots there and I could go on a lot longer on this, pet- one little area, but I do want to get into some questions, some other questions for you. And I-, I guess the first one, what were the main considerations that your group identified?
1: Yeah. So we did identify, and we kind of got into it already. So the like one that we just talked about was, is it race or is it ethnicity that you're trying to study? Right. You need to have in, a, in, I guess, a lot of sciences, but in epidemiology, we always talk about the concept map. You need to have that like proof of concept before you start going. So you need to draw out the connectors between all these variables. And does it make sense to you? So is it ethnicity or is it race that you're trying to measure? And similarly, another one, is it race or is it skin tone or skin's reaction to the sun that you're trying to measure that's my personal research with dr king i'm looking at occupational ultraviolet radiation in relation in relation to breast cancer and when we look at the mechanism we actually have a map all drawn out of how uvr contacts the skin and the skin has a role in reflecting or absorbing the uvr which then goes into a vitamin D mechanism. Right. And we know that skin has that role based on its ability to absorb or reflect. And that's the same thing that sunscreen does as well. Like it'll reflect some of it. So in my study, I'm looking at skin's reaction to the sun. So we have a question where we specifically ask people what happens when you spend 30 minutes outside without sunscreen? Totally get burned. <laughs> Same for sure so then you and I would both be placed in the fair category right and I should say in my thesis we also have we you know we have an issue and this happens in epidemiology a lot where you have different questions asked to different cohorts but we have to try to harmonize them so one of my other cohorts answered the question what is your skin type fair uh, dark or I'm forgetting what the median was but it was a median right yeah so we essentially took the skin reaction and, and harmonized it to skin type And I think for the purposes of this, you know, biological mechanism, that does make sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other uh, theses, when you're talking about social stuff, it's a lot more complicated. So another question is, is it race or is it a proxy for something else? You know, are you trying to study genetics and you're studying race? Because that's super inappropriate because we know at this point humans are just so intertwined. It's been so long that it's not telling you anything. That said, if you wanted to study genetics and you wanted to say like, there are specific genetic markers for maybe a heart condition, that could be a science, right? Right. You could study that, but you shouldn't go as far as to say connected to race when race no longer has a biological component that's real in humans. Right. So continue on with my um, considerations. Another consideration was that race and racism may be your your main components or your main effects, which is your exposure versus your outcome. And that would be, you know, obviously valid that you're including it in your study if it's a main effect. But a lot of times people just throw it in.
0: Right. Status
1: quo. You saw it thrown in before. And in sciences and epidemiology, when we're doing these like predictive models, we have our main effect our exposure and then we have our outcome like what happened so in my case it would be the solar the ultraviolet radiation and the breast cancer but then we also have all these confounding variables or covariates like other things that we think are connected and we want to see how they're connected and they also have to fit into that concept map we talked about in the beginning you can't just throw things in and go like i don't know maybe ice cream consumption is connected to breast cancer risk because it could be. And right, my model right. could then show me that that's a valid variable. I put ice cream consumption in and it says yes. Now, of course, the institution, academia is not going to let me do that. But the institution will let me put race as a variable into my study without questioning whether I was looking at skin tone or was it, I was looking at race. Because when we are using race uh, from one of these surveys, we're not using race, as I described it earlier, accumulation of lifetime exposure to stress we're using probably a self-identified measure right so just, right what's your mm-hmm. race and most people don't even you know know what
0: that means so well i reason. mean we've already said ourselves how many different definitions so if you're going to ask that question you have to define it so people understand the, the question correctly yes
1: the thing, like most kind of overarching consideration that goes across the ones i already said is just is this a critical variable have you thought about it or are you following status quo because when right. we follow precedent or status quo within the institution you know we have the potential to create false associations like if you put right. a race variable in there that's not supposed to be in there you create a false association and that can be really dangerous for the community under study.
0: so does so this come down i mean for any sort of research or even a survey, it says, "You know what are we trying to accomplish here? You know what are we trying to learn from the answers that we're getting? and And that comes down to someone being really good at defining that survey, but you need to understand what are you what are you looking for right now? And so does race have a part in this particular one or not, or is it totally irrelevant? Mm -hmm. so so that's really really important and I think in terms of public health in general and just using the pandemic that's gone on is you know you, you you could see what was going on for instance down in the states and here in Canada you know where were the hot spots and things who weren't who weren't getting and this may not be public this could public health not necessarily epidemiology but you know who were getting access to vaccines first or 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 having better service to, to look after people to make sure that they're okay. Which, which populations or communities weren't doing so well, and why? So uh, those sorts of things came in, and maybe I've, I'm mixing that up a little bit, but then no. the first thing that comes to to my mind when if we look at the pandemic, for instance, and what happened to various communities around the world, who was getting access and who wasn't, and why was that the case? Particularly if it was. Happening within certain pockets within a single country is one thing. Is the whole country, but if it's happening to certain pockets within a country, those sorts of things come into play. So maybe I should ask you next. Uh, the next question should—I mean—you kind of talked about this anyway. Should race-based data be collected?
1: As most questions in science should be answered, the answer is it depends. Right. Right. <laughs> and And, we've just
0: said all that haven't we (laughs) but yeah but please explain a little
1: bit more because it can make that concise yeah Mm -hmm. i think that because i mentioned that there are harms to the community under study if you use a variable that doesn't belong in a model that's an introduction to what can happen right there's lots of different harms and i can go through a couple of the harms (laughs) so there's a thing called scientific voyeurism which is this idea that you know scientists uh, on our pedestal walk into a community and we kind of just like want to look and like prod and study and write down you know it's it's kind of icky when you think about it that way and that's happening you know it's not just like back in the day when the old white man got in a boat and went to an indigenous island it's still happening now when you see like criminologists focusing on on areas where you have low-income people so you're looking to the area of low-income looking for crime like that then, is scientific voyeurism. You are looking for it, right? Yeah. So that's going to create an issue for the group under study, in, you know, ways that we don't even understand. And one of the ways is that it's probably going to check a box on the government. It's like list right. that we studied that group. That's an issue is that, you know, we have these systemic problems that have been going on for so many years and you have then the academia come up and go, okay, we did a little study about your group. So I think, we're good now. We We're understand good. it. But mm-hmm. no. And then another issue is that even if we do that study, like the concept was great or whatever, we go and collect the data in a way that's actually fair to the people. We had informed consent. We allowed for informed refusal. We, you know, actually had taught like qualitative interactions with the people so that we could understand the group under study. And if we collect all that data and it goes nowhere. Yeah that's really awful for those people that took all the time to educate you and push the information to try to share it. It doesn't go anywhere. So that's just a couple of issues about going to the group and collecting it. But then at like a statistical level, there's also a lot of issues with collecting race-based data, which is, you know, we usually don't have... The data we need, even when we think we do, when we if we're trying to study like between races, you can't go white versus not white. Right. That's not really a proper comparison. You should have representatives from every group that you're actually trying to look for differences within. And then that is what usually causes low sample size. So Mm -hmm. you probably hear that a lot when you're talking about race-based data. People will complain about sample size. You need to have thousands and thousands of people. In order to make the analysis valid. So then we also have missing data or inaccurate data. There's a mistrust with a lot of communities and academia, as you know, would be expected after 500 years of white supremacy and you know violence on these people. And then we also have what's really a systemic problem, where is the lack of information on the upstream factors. So if you're picturing a river. And down at the end of the river downstream, you have the current situation, which is the intersection of these two pandemics where whenever COVID came, it highlighted that something wasn't right in a lot of our structures. And we, instead of going up the stream, walking to where the water starts from and saying, why isn't it right in all of these structures? We just keep collecting the data at the bottom of the stream and saying, but something's not right, but something's not right. Right. And there is something that says to know it is to name it. And that's usually where we start. We name it. But how long are we going to name it for? Because we know that racism exists in Canada. We know the target groups of racism. Um, And they have a right to
0: sort of not self-identify one way or another. So that also must make things extremely difficult as an epidemiologist.
1: Yeah. And that plays into the issues with using these, you know, these variables of race or these variables of Mm -hmm. ethnicity to predict this upstream, you know, exposure That we're trying to really trying to get at we could go and ask somebody so the gold standard would be what race what race do you think you are and then people would say it another option is to say what race do you think your friends think you are so that really changes when we're talking about exposure to um racism and another question we could ask is that more qualitative way of being like so what so what is your socio-ethnic racial identity something like that where it's just kind of like we know these terms are nonsense at this point how right. like put in all the words you want but that takes a lot longer for the analysis because now we have to do more of like a thematic analysis where you're kind of grouping things together and you have way more intersections which then creates simple size right 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 <laughs> but i still think that qualitative is a lot better than what we might use which is you know that like administrative surveillance data which is just kind of like what does your doctor think that you are i don't even know did we tell our doctors at what point no but I don't. for some reason it's in the health records it's in your administrative data so that's probably a really bad one in my mind compared to just you know asking somebody recently hey right. like in the last like i have this data from last year and they said they identified this way versus how did the doctor get this
0: information <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question actually, because even now in the last couple of years as well, you know, we're all saying now, you know, what our pro- we, we introduce ourselves and and what our pronouns are, and we never used to do that. Where's that recorded, <laughs> so to speak? So you've gone through quite a lot there. I mean, there's a lot of things that you need to consider with all of this, which is why it's probably really good that, particularly as a young researcher yourself that you're thinking about these questions, because I'm pretty sure it's going to help you with lots of things that you do along the way. But this is also an extremely important one. So I guess my last question would be, why question the status quo in research and
1: academia? That's a really good question, because there are a lot of reasons why not. We should question it, because we're scientists, and we should question everything. Right. More specifically... We know from history that our institutions, Queen's University, which is the institution we're both affiliated with, University of Ottawa, which is where I went, every university in this country and in North America has a role that they played in getting to where we are today. And it's the same concept, not the same role, but the same concept that, that you and I as white people mm-hmm. have a role in playing in this society of this that's built on white supremacy, a society where white people benefit from tiny little adjustments made along the way, make it easier for us and harder for other people. So at the university level, it's a lot bigger, right? It's a huge impact. So your supervisor's role, your department's role, your institution, your granting organization, everything is part of this opinion in code, as Lana James would say, that has been coded into our society. Somebody's opinion is coded into our society. Mm -hmm. So somebody's opinion says research that uses the following terms gets funded. That's why whenever I go to apply for something, I don't just start de novo and writing stuff. You learn early on that it's best to start with somebody else's stuff right? You want to see right. how they did it, how were they successful, what terms did they use? Right. And that's the status quo, right? We learned at an early age, monkey see, monkey do, we follow status quo. But in science, we should be critical of everything. And creative and everything. Yes, you're right. So it's our role to, you know, <laughs> it might not be my fault, but it's my responsibility. I did not create this the, the, the system, system mm-hmm. but I live in it and I gain from it. And I gain from even just this opportunity here these two pandemics benefit me i should say like as a white person like i was walking around in the world just going i don't know what my passion is i'm looking for a passion <laughs> and suddenly all of this bad stuff started happening to all of these people and i benefit from it like that's bonkers to think about yes. but that's the truth and you know i think it's really important to be transparent about it and because <laughs> to know it is to name it but now let's move on how do we stop it right Right. And
0: so is do you find within your group, everyone's got a similar thought
1: as you do in, in that? Yeah. And our group is interesting in the way that it's divided, like 50-50 like white people versus racialized students. So the Much. racialized students, I think, you know, they come into it and you see the angle that they're coming into it. Like they are living this experience on a the daily. They probably went through the education. And they were like, why didn't we talk about this in our classes? For the white students, it might be a bit different. Like for me, I can't, you know, say their story specifically, but for me, I didn't see it until it was too late. So I came into it from a different angle of being like kind of embarrassed, but I also really believe in like being held accountable. So I'm trying to learn. And I think that's what- our other like my white colleagues on this group felt too like they felt guilty like they hadn't done enough Mm -hmm. so you have that mixture of like lived experience versus like the lack of lived experience and it creates such a yeah and and that's
0: and, and that's really important to know so I guess in terms of your group what are you hoping to do now because I go back to your first statement to me when you wanted to come on the show you know interest in improving our understanding of racist policy and epidemiology and public health and you wanted to form this group to develop share and express ideas and understanding of the literature have you felt with the short time that you've been together
1: that you've accomplished at least some of that absolutely so we Started working in June 2020 and probably before Christmas, we all like had a meeting where we were talking about this, just saying we have honestly the amount of information we have attained during this time period is bonkers. That we were able to learn so much and completely shift our mindsets in that time period, because that's an important part is this distinction between that the pedagogy of peace, which is a pedagogy from Lindsay Brandt in the... Um, education department In the education department it, it makes a distinction between knowing and understanding and one of them is you know this stuff you study it i study race and how it makes a difference but the other part is the the self-reflection part the part where it I matter, me, Serena McDonald, this white lady standing here before you, I matter, me as the student, me as the person interacting with the data, me interacting with the knowledge, like how does my experience or lack of experience Change the way that that information made contact with me and how it like settled in my brain right so it's like a therapy more than it is like a HR training
0: well it sounds like the seven of you have got a lot from this task force but what's next I mean do you do you want to sort of share these findings with other people or put something together that the department
1: can use that's that is our hope so we already have you know a couple of professors have gone over our module and edited it for us and we've met with the department head so we're looking for opportunities to disseminate the information but most importantly to disseminate within our you know the incoming students this right, year that right. you know won't benefit from the changes to curriculum down the road because they're in the middle of it so we really want to have this like evergreen document but on the last slide all of our names and said version one so then you know, students can keep picking at keep, it because yeah because it, it, it should it. it should
0: evolve it should evolve as the years go by exactly well it sounds like you guys have done an absolutely awesome job on top of your normal studies as well so kudos to all of you for even wanting to put something like that together and it sounds like it's going to be really important for the department
1: yeah and, and I think the to- nice
0: thing is come from students for students so yeah. that's great
1: Yes. Yeah. So,
0: well done to all of you, and best of luck with it. And, like I said, I, I hope this continues. Um, like you said, that you know the next cohort coming in can have a look at it and see what they can add to it and help it evolve as it goes along. So, because it's, it's an extremely important topic, and as you know, for epidemiology in general and public health, it's super, super important that these thoughts and ideas and concepts challenged along the way. So so well done for that. So Serena, thank you for coming on the show on behalf of your group. They lucked out, I think, the fact that you came on because you're very good at what you you were were talking about and you're very confident in that. So well done on that. So I really appreciate you saying, can we come on? So (laughs) good for you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to my group for letting me speak on your behalf. (laughs) So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download this show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.